Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 19th. It's six minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. That guy is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there too, Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube right now if you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Coming up later this hour, Micah Beckwith is going to join us. Also, Indiana tops the list for cheapest states to live in this year. But we begin talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> Trump and his latest endorsement. Trump expected to skip the second Republican primary debate in California on September 27th. Instead, he's going to go to Detroit, deliver a speech in front of the UAW workers amid their strike. But he has been endorsed by Mike Braun. Uh, before we get to that, I just love the fact that, like, Indiana, hey, it's one of the cheapest states to live in. Of course, you're not really making any money, and the money you are making is being confiscated in mass by the Indiana Republican Party. But, hey, it's a really cheap place to be miserable in, Casey. You're going to work forever. <laughs> Congratulations. But it's cheap to stay here. Uh, yes, yeah, so Braun has come out and has endorsed Donald Trump, and this is, I guess, endorsed a palooza for Mike Braun, because last week he endorsed uh, Jimmy Banks, who's running for U.S. Senate and of course Jim doing everything to ensure he doesn't have any competition because apparently he's afraid of competition trying to get the one guy who wants to run against him thrown off the ballot uh this is a little odd to me I mean obviously there everybody's reading the tea leaves at this point and I suppose that Braun made a calculated choice hey Trump is so far ahead there's supposedly an internal poll that Abdul reported that's out that shows um Trump ahead of DeSantis like 55-15 and then Mike Pence shows up somewhere as well and so I, you know look Trump saved Braun's campaign in, in 2018 came here gave a big rally and endorsement for him so it's probably it's probably not that unusual when you cut through it although this early in the process maybe it shows Braun is needing or looking for a group of voters that he doesn't have right now. I think it's really interesting that Club for Growth backed Braun, but then the same Club for Growth pack said it's time to move on from Trump. Yeah, look, endorsements make for weird alliances. And I, you know, we've talked about this with Abdul before, and I think we got into it last week on Statehouse Happenings because Club for Growth is, you know, like you said, behind Braun. I don't think it matters anymore. There was a time where, where these organizations, it was like, oh my gosh, they're for so-and-so. Great, sign me up for that. Now, they do give resources. They might give you money, which might help. But anymore, nobody trusts anything anyway. It's, yeah. You know you know who you trust? You probably trust your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like if your neighbor is some influential member of the community and he or she is for Mike Braun, that probably gets you something. I don't know. It's more or less just something for us to talk about. And if you look at it from that perspective, think about we've spent the first three minutes of the show talking about it. It's earned media. We said the name Mike Braun. So Mm -hmm. by that standard mission accomplished. Yeah. Well, and I think the endorsement for most people, name recognition, they would trust an endorsement from Mike Braun more than they would from Club for Growth anyway, because who is Club for Growth other than a fundraising pack? It is odd, though, in a world where Trump. I don't know. He probably does have 50 plus percent in Indiana right now, probably. It is just odd this early in the process, which does campaigns take risks based on what their actual numbers are telling them. And endorsing this early in the process, 
is a bit of a risk politically, which tells you maybe Mike Braun is not on as sure a footing uh, as the front runner as we're led to believe. Maybe there is a perceived sprint to get the Trump voter between, you would have to think it would be between him and Curtis Hill. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they're feeling more pressure than the public is aware of. And that's why he felt he needed to come out and do this. But what does that mean? Somebody goes, well, he endorsed Trump. Okay, Curtis, are you against Trump? No. Well, then, okay. Like, what what does that even what does that even get you? I, I don't know. Well, Trump has not endorsed any candidate for governor. Right. So it's almost like, okay, I'm endorsing you. Is Braun <laughs> waiting around for yeah. Trump to endorse him? Because actually, I think it would mean more for Braun if Trump oh, endorsed Braun than Braun endorsing Trump. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Jimbo has also not endorsed anybody in the governor's race. So Braun's handing out these endorsements like they're going out of style and getting absolutely nothing in return. Yeah, he's just waiting patiently. You're going to reciprocate? You're going to bring it back to me? By the way, I just loved the endorsement in the U.S. Senate race. So you're running against a guy who will probably be unopposed. And even if he, he somehow does have competition, the state party has already totally put their thumb on the scale. This poor John Rust guy can't even get on the ballot to run against uh, to run against banks. But look at me boldly endorsing the guy who has a 99% chance of, of winning the election. Okay, well, the other senator in our state saying, oh, no, it's time to move on from Trump. Um, so Todd Young, <laughs> by the way, if you voted for Todd Young, you're getting exactly what you deserve, and it's just a shame the rest of us have to be drugged down in the process. But uh, remember when Todd Young when it was running and he was going to stop Washington Waste and he was going to be you know, very conservative the next time? And you know, and then he got there and pay, didn't? Pay no attention to my previous six years of voting. It's, it's, the Todd Young thing to me puts in perspective how ridiculous the Suzanne Crouch thing is, right? Because the Todd Young message running for re-election is very similar to the Suzanne Crouch message trying to become governor. Pay no attention to, to, what, what, I, I did. to what I did. <laughs> Just pay attention to the words that are coming out of my mouth now that I have no intention of keeping. And we tried to tell you with Todd Young, these conservative, well, what choice do we have? And uh, Todd is singing a different tune these days. And we said, this guy, you could trust him about as far as you could throw him. And he has spent the past year since he got reelected, taking a knife and repeatedly, he's pulling a Michael Myers when I say stabbing into the back of conservatives. It's not just one stab, it's multiple stabs. It's The guy is a complete greaseball and apparently there was some sort of press conference yesterday, I think he was at some event for the Boy Scouts mm-hmm. or something, and Abdul has the audio, full audio, if you want to subject yourself for some reason to many, many minutes of Todd Young. <laughs> maybe you have, a, maybe that is your fetish, I don't know. But, uh, asked him about uh, Donald Trump, and here's what Todd Young had to say. Goodness, I've, I've covered so many facets of this, but I think he he, he lacks uh, the appropriate personal character. Uh, uh, he he uh, lacks uh, uh, he, he, you know uh, integrity. He, he his. Uh, uh, he fails to bring our country together, fails to follow the Constitution of the United States. Um, uh, we, it's time to turn the page. The Republican Party needs to turn the page. Uh, America needs to turn the page. And uh, I'm still hoping that another leader emerges in the Republican primary. Any word concerned if Donald Trump is the nominee that Republicans will lose the White House? I'm sorry? Any word concerned that if Donald Trump is a nominee next year, Republicans will lose the White House? Oh, there's that. I don't think Donald Trump will win. 
and I think he's the only Republican in the United States of America uh, who uh, cannot win a general election against Joe Biden. Uh, but the problems with Donald Trump even go deeper than that. Any thoughts on the Boy Scouts today? Abdul, <laughs> he's such a smart ass. Um, okay, so first of all, what I thought was interesting in there is Todd Young voted against convicting Donald Trump of impeachment, not once but twice. However, right there, Gumflap McGee claims he violated the Constitution. Well, Todd, if indeed Donald Trump violated the Constitution, what was that? And if he did that, aren't you indicting yourself based on the fact you're admitting you're so wholly political that you didn't vote to convict the guy on impeachment? He's so full of it. This Todd Young, for him to judge anybody's character, the guy, because of his own arrogance, didn't get the 500 signatures to get on the ballot, yet used all the levers and his connections, including may or may not having a donor on the election board, to get to get on the ballot after they essentially admitted, yeah, we didn't get those signatures for him to judge anybody's character or moral this or moral that. And by the way, Todd Young is the same guy who has so little self-control that he basically came unhinged in front of a room full of people and moved aggressively at me with an armed deputy behind him at the Stax Pancake House. I Have I ever told you how much I loathe this guy? I've heard this before. Now, he did mention that Donald Trump does not have integrity. Isn't this kind of like the pot calling the kettle black because he ran on fiscal conservatism and then got to Washington yes. and spend, 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 spend. But but Todd Young, and by the way, just last year he was on a Stop Washington Waste tour. You may remember right. that. Right. And then when asked by me, uh, hey, Mr. Senator Man, um, what waste would you like to stop considering you keep voting for all the waste? All I got was an aggressive movement in my direction with an armed officer of the law behind him. Well, I do appreciate that he's quoting Bob Seger with the turn the page on Donald <laughs> Trump, but he said that he fails to bring the country together. Isn't Donald Trump surging in all the polls, bringing all the Republicans to the table? Well, here's what I know, Casey. He was also asked about Joe Biden mm -hmm. and listen to the tone in his voice compared to Biden and the despite the infinite amounts of evidence in front of the American people about Joe Biden and his actual corruption, listen to the tone in his voice when he talks about Biden versus what you just heard with Trump. Well, there hasn't. There hasn't yet. Uh, I'm open uh, to uh, determining that a high crime and misdemeanor uh, has, has has been created. Uh, I think at this point, it's, it's appropriate for the House of Representatives representatives to look into these matters. I think talk about impeachment has become too loose. That was something I predicted a couple of years ago in the first Trump impeachment, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, discussion began about impeachment right after President Trump was elected. Uh, I thought that uh, the trigger for another impeachment was was uh, uh, too loose uh, when it came to the second impeachment. And here we are. I mean, this is what I predicted. So impeachment is not good for the American people. They're there are rare instances in which it has to be used. We'll have to see uh, if it's, this meets that test. Yeah, may, maybe we'll get around to it. Yeah, maybe we won't. Oh, sure. There's There's been testimony in front of the U.S. Congress showing blatant, a blatant pay-for-play scheme and that Biden was involved with foreign dignitaries and was using his office to enrich himself. But, eh, you know, maybe, Casey, maybe we'll deal with it. Maybe we won't. But boy, Trump, he's got to go. Yeah, exactly. Is he on the no evidence bandwagon? I'm really confused by that answer. Is he for the impeachment of Joe Biden or against it? Meh. 
<laughs> maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe. Look, we all we all know what will have to happen here, Casey, is he's going to have to ask his adult supervision, mm. Mitch McConnell, if Mitch McConnell can string a sentence together. Sure. Who knows these days? He's going to have to ask Daddy what he's supposed to do, and Daddy will tell Todd how to vote. All right, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Please don't go. Don't go. Especially if you want to get your financial situation in order. It is 923. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we're in one of the cheapest states in the union. That's according to a new MIT living wage calculator. Rob, we're here to educate and entertain. Please explain to the masses, what does it mean when people say a living wage? It's a made-up thing done by stupid people who believe they're <laughs> entitled to something from someone else. I mean, the, look, that's a, it, the, my version of living and your version of living, I mean, you're super rich, so you live a much higher lifestyle than we do. We all know where most of Kev's money goes. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a different version of what it takes to live. It's a made-up thing designed by people to force the government to extract more money from employers. You should negotiate whatever deal you want with your employer. No one owes you anything. And I say this as someone who has written checks, signed checks on the front, and I've signed them on the back. I've never believed that my employer owes me anything. Period. If I want to work for $3 an hour, what business is it of the government's to say, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Rob Kendall, you of sound mind and body, you can't work for whatever wage you want to work for. Okay, well, a lot of people considering cost of living as it's rising facing new challenges, managing their finances. And according to this MIT living wage data, Indiana is one of the cheapest places to live in the entire country. Yeah, but the, okay, the Indiana always does this. See, this is where the politicians, the Republicans, you know, pick and choose. You'll always see this in ads. Oh, Indiana, the cost of living is so low. We don't pay anything. Like our wages are also deflated. Yes. There are very few places where you go, it's super cheap to live here. And well, gosh darn it, Casey, the wages are just out the wazoo. Yeah. Here in Indiana, the average uh, wage is $52,000 a year. And I just saw a statistic last night that said if you have a bachelor's degree, the average wage across the country is $78,000 a year. So Indiana, well below that. Look, th- th- and it's, it's fine. I'm a Hoosier lifer. They'll stick me in a box here and... It's okay. I've made that. I've made that choice. You know, for a variety of reasons. My family is here. Uh, my job is here, etc. I'm not blaming anyone for that choice, but myself. And I'm not even blaming myself because this is where I consider home. But I'm also not under, under the delusion of, well, gosh darn it, Casey, Indiana is some beacon of awesomeness, and it's just everything is going swimmingly and smoothly here in the state of Indiana. And it's just the if you could pick anywhere in the world to live, you'd pick. You wouldn't. You would not pick Indiana. If you have anywhere in the world to pick, the majority of people would certainly not pick the state of Indiana. People who live here generally live here because of familial ties, 
employment, you know, tradition, whatever. They don't have the ability to just pack up and go somewhere else, or they probably would. Let's, you know, we were chatting with Matt Bear during the break. He came in and said, thanks for pointing that out in the opening segment because the wages here suck. <laughs> MIT looked at food, childcare, medical, housing, transportation, other personal necessities, which could be a whole bevy of things, and also, yes, taxes. And yet, according to them, Indiana is still one of the cheapest places to live. Now, Tennessee topped the list. Indiana was number two, followed by Mississippi, South Dakota, Alabama, Arkansas, Wyoming, Kentucky, and then Oklahoma. Let's just say this, and this may be unpopular with a lot of people, but hi, I'm Rob Kendall. Have we met? Um, <laughs> Indiana's a very mediocre state. If you look at our taxes, they're very middle of the road. Some, mm-hmm. you know, they're t- somewhere between usually like 28 and 23, depending on what who's scoring what. Well, that's pathetic for a Republican supermajority state. But what the Republicans will do is they'll look at you and go, oh, sure, yeah, we're just middle of the road and we're supposed to be the party of low taxes. But, hey, it could be Illinois. You don't want that, do you? I mean, the, the, the Indiana's just a very mediocre state. The quality of life here is not great. The ability to earn money here is not great. The trade-off of that is that you do have a, a relatively, compared to other states, mm-hmm. cheaper cost of living. However, that is rapidly ascending due to things like, like property taxes and the price price of gasoline that's largely being eroded. According to MIT, the most expensive states to live in are Massachusetts, California, and New Jersey. Of course, if you'd like to read this article, you can find it at WIBC.com. It is the current side piece. It is 928. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Before we go to break, Mike is going to join us Mm -hmm. next, and then we are going to get into this Delphi thing. And I will tell you what, this Delphi thing, it broke while we were on the air yesterday. I was blown away at those documents submitted by the defense. 130 pages. Unbelievable. All right, we'll get into it coming up from 93 WIBC. Here comes a banker, here comes a businessman. Here comes a kid with a guitar in his hand. Dreaming of his record. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and oh, look who it is. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. Time for the, well, the last great hope for the state of Indiana, the conservative (laughs) voice for the state of Indiana, Pastor Micah Beckwith. All right, Beckwith, so uh, Braun comes out, and it is Endorsa-Palooza for him. He's uh, for Jim Banks. He's for Donald Trump. Isn't it kind of weird to be running for, like, a contested governor's seat and be endorsing like it's going out of style? I don't know if it's weird. I I, I think Braun has just uh, got his pulse probably on the frustrations of the people. You know, you know Trump, you know, love him or hate him, he is by far the front runner. And I remember having a conversation with Mick Mulvaney about two months ago at an event. And Mick was asking me, he said, he said, hey, why do pastors, why do the evangelicals continue to support Trump? And I, because he's like, we got other good candidates. We got DeSantis. We've got. Nikki Haley, we've got uh, Rick, uh, uh, we got Scott, um, and so I, you know, one of those. He, he was just asking me that question. I said, "Well, Mick, what you don't understand is you, you're, you're not, you're not seeing what the evangelicals are calling for. They want a fighter. They want somebody who's bold, and they want somebody that's going to go in and stand for truth and not get pushed around by the woke culture. And I think what's happening is that's that Braun is probably sensing that, and he said, "Okay, like people want Trump because they want a fighter." I want to be seen as a fighter. I'm going to endorse another fighter, and then maybe by default, people will think I'm a fighter. So I think that's probably what's going on. Uh, and so I think it was a good move by Braun. I, you know, I, I, again, I'm all in on Trump. I like Trump. I've been telling people that 
uh, you know, that I'm, Do- I'm a Trump guy because I want to fight her. Doesn't the abortion conver- comments he made the other day, though, in Meet the Press, like where he's basically ripping Ron DeSantis and the people in Ohio, and I mean, kind of, even though I don't think it's called a heartbeat bill in Indiana, it basically is, where he's ba- slinging arrows at those guys. Doesn't that bother you? Well, listen, Trump has never been pro-life in the sense that I am or Mike Pence is or anything like that. But but what did he do about it? He, he knew his base was pro-life, and he gave us three of the most pro-life Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe. So while he doesn't necessarily personally espouse evangelical beliefs, he walks down those policy roads, and he does what he knows the base wants. And that's that's why people like me say, okay, like, he doesn't, he doesn't agree with me on abortion. He doesn't agree with me probably on the marriage stuff. But he recognizes his base, and he says, you know what? You guys were loyal to me. I'm going to be loyal to you, and I'm going to fight for you. And that's, that's Trump's greatest strength. He's, he's a loyalist. He, if you're loyal to him, he'll be loyal to you. If you burn him, he's going to burn you. Okay, and so I yeah. Well, speaking of loyalty, I mean, Trump rallied with Braun back in 2018, helping beat Joe Donnelly. So is this just a I owe you sort of thing? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of that. But again, I think there's there's something to be said about that. I, I hate it when politicians turn on each other, when you go out of your way to help somebody and then you need them to help you and then they won't do it because it's not politically expedient. That drives me up the wall. And, and that happens more times than not. So, you know, good on Braun if he says, well, you know, Trump helped me and I. You know, I want to repay the favor to Trump. Okay, that's great. I, I think there's there's value in that. I think that's a, that's a virtue that, that not too many politicians these days have. Uh, Micah Beckwith is our guest. On the other side of things, uh, Todd Young, and we played the audio to begin the show today, says anybody but Trump. It's time for you to admit, right, you made an egregious mistake supporting Todd Young in 2022. <laughs> I did. I have said that to you on the air before, Rob. Thank you. You can uh, let that one go. Uh, <laughs> what I mean, Todd Young is just a just a complete greaseball, isn't he? I mean, if you were to look up sli- slimy politician in the dictionary, there would be a giant photo of Todd Young. Well, I, listen, I, I think he has certainly turned on the conservative base after he got elected this time around. And, and again, I like I personally, Todd and I, you know, are fine. Like I don't have an issue with him personally, but I did I did tell him I'm like, dude, if you if you vote for this disrespective marriage act. And you go down this path, you're losing me. You're going to lose every single conservative in the state. And he said, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. And, and so I think that's he's he's made the bed that he has to lie in right now. So so yeah, I'm not. I can't support him in good conscience. I can't support him because he does the opposite of what Trump does. He tells you he's with you, and then goes and does something else. Trump will say, well, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I'm going to push policies that you you're asking for because you've been loyal to me. So so that's why I can't you know I can't support Todd Young. Micah, I asked Rob this when we started the show at nine o'clock so i'm curious to get your take on it we have braun one senator who's backing trump and now we have young another senator who is saying move on from trump what does that do to voters in the state of indiana it's like 50 50 uh, i i think more people are with braun in indiana i mean i i travel the state during you know lieutenant governor's race that i'm in and and I, I i hear more times than not that Tung young todd young has sold us out i mean again i just think if, if it's going to be very hard for Todd to win in six years. I know it's six years is a long time, but I think people are so mad at Todd Young for how he has abandoned conservative values every which way. And and so I think people in Indiana are far more aligned with Braun right now, and very few are aligned with, with Young. And so I, I, think, I think it's really more 
Hoosiers are standing with Braun on this issue uh, by far, not not Todd Young. Uh, okay, Beckwith. So, uh, Micah Beckwith, our guest. So, you went to Washington, D.C., and I don't know. I mean, were you, did you get to write this off on your taxes? You were forced to spend time with Greg Pence. How is Greggy? <laughs> Well, we we went to, uh, for the Hoosier Leadership Series. I'm the director of uh, the Hoosier Leadership Series, and we always take took about 45 uh, conservative uh, uh, kind of just activists or people who want to get involved in politics, and we, we spend time with our delegation. So the entire Republican delegation met with us, and so Greg was our first speaker. And, I, you know, listen, Greg, one thing that Greg said that I'll give him credit for, I, I he was saying that he doesn't really care if we shut down the government because of this spending stuff, which I was I was kind of like I was pleasantly surprised to hear because he was really making the argument that, you know, it's by far time to to shut this thing down where we can't get our spending in order. And so so I'll give him credit for that. But but really, the rest of the the rest of the speech was kind of the typical ho-hum, you know, politician, you know, uh, just does anybody does anybody at any point raise their hand to any of these people and go, what in the what in the world are you doing? Like, what are you people doing all day? Oh yeah, that's the class is really good at that. They've got they've got some we've got some great students in there that that are willing to ask the hard questions. They do it respectfully, but I mean throughout the whole day, it was there was some very uh, some very tough questions to the delegation, and you know some of them had good answers and some of them not didn't have uh, what, good answers. What do so, they do all day? What, 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 what do they do? Well, so we were there on Thursday and I think most of them were a little bit uh, flustered because that was the day that uh, that Kevin McCarthy just basically went ballistic on them all. Uh, and so they were all coming in. Man, Victoria Sparks. I love Victoria. I have never seen her as on fire, talking so fast. I was getting like one out of every four words that she was <laughs> Like, yeah, but time, so... time out, time out, Beckwith. This woman <laughs> voted present at the vote on McCarthy, so she had an opportunity to do something about McCarthy, or she didn't. She abstained from voting. Wasn't that a, like she didn't vote for him or against him? So doesn't well, don't you look at her and go, "You had your chance." Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, you you have to say that too. You can you can kind of push back on her there, but she was she was giving McCarthy a pretty hard time, and. Uh, and she was she was telling him the, you know giving him the what for and so uh, okay <laughs> she was but she was just on fire I'll tell you that much so, all right so before yeah. we let you go I have made a big choice and I talked with you last night about this so you may have heard Micah we have the new uh, Rob Kendall merchandise line at the Hammer and Nigel store and if you go there now store.hammerandnigel.com store.hammerandnigel.com you can either purchase yourself a I love Rob Kendall T-shirt or an I hate Rob Kendall t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like me, one of each Abs- in case you absolutely. need to wear both in the same day. And a very small <laughs> portion of this, very, 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 when I say very small, very, very, very small, but a small portion of these were scheduled to go to me. And what I have decided in lieu of that is I am going to donate, have all that money donated to Project Rescue. And we had Nathan on last week to talk about Project Rescue. But real quick, uh, can you just tell everybody what that is and why now, if, you, uh, if you're supporting or hating me, you're also giving to a great cause? Uh, I love it. That's a w- very generous of you, Rob. And Project Rescue is uh, it's an organization that at Life Church we've partnered with for uh, a few years now. And, and they rescue women and children who are caught in the clutches of sex trafficking around the world and here in the United States. And they're doing great work. I mean, there are thousands of women that they're setting free. And they're not just setting them free. They're, 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 they're propping them up and teaching them life skills so they can, they can – 
go out and make a living because a lot of times sex trafficking the the sex traffickers will get women to do what they need they want them to do by basically saying you're not going to be able to support you and your children if you don't do these these sex acts uh and tell and do what we tell you to do and so they're kind of caught in this uh in this this you know ever you know uh snowball effect where it just gets worse and worse for them and so project rescue understands that they go in they work with governments to to arrest the the sex traffickers but it's just a phenomenal organization so if you ever want to do something and make a difference in the lives of of people who are really hurting right now project rescue is the way to go so thank you rob for being generous and putting that uh those proceeds it'll probably be what like two bucks yes thank you you know Here's your money, and then go ahead and insult me. Thank you. Yes, wonderful job, Micah. But if Casey has a, uh, a shirt that says, I love Casey Daniels, we'll sell a lot of those. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I love Casey Daniels shirts are going to be uh, going out of style. So, big time. They'll, that's great. So, uh, if I get you an I Hate Rob Kendall shirt, will you wear it on Sunday at church? <laughs> <laughs> I will absolutely wear it. That's a mixed will, message. I will proudly wear it. Absolutely. So, okay. Um, uh, very okay, good. Well, get, I, I wanted to put. As, hey, as ahead. long as you can get Casey to sign it. Yeah. So Casey can sign it for me. Then I'll, I'll wear it. Absolutely. All right, Micah. Uh, thanks as always. Appreciate you. And, uh, well, I don't know what you're doing today, but keep up the good work. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Micah. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, it is 948. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, a ritualistic killing involving cultists, a conspiracy theory among prison guards and investigators fixated on a single suspect. So there have been new stunning allegations made in court documents filed by the defense attorneys of Richard Allen, who was charged with two counts of murder back in February of 2017 in the killings of Abby Williams and Libby German in Delphi. And investigators announced his arrest in October of 22, more than five years after the killings. But now these defense attorneys, they've filed a 130-page motion that lays out, in their opinion, that the search warrant of Allen's property should be thrown out. This was wild yesterday, Casey. So this broke while we were on the air, and so we didn't get a chance to do a deep dive on this. But I talked to two people yesterday who I really trust, who read the entire thing, all 130-ish pages of it. And one of them is a career law enforcement person. The other person has studied this thing for years and years and years. And they both said the work the defense attorneys did on this document is incredible. And they both said, and both came to the same conclusion, they have absolutely, at the very, very least, cast beyond reasonable doubt Mm -hmm. about if this guy pulled it off and the bigger the biggest thing i think that comes out of this because it is like we could do a three-hour show on this and not scratch the surface on what's in this document that these defense attorneys put together um i think the biggest thing that came out of it is the allegations made against the sheriff essentially accusing him of deliberately misleading this judge in order to get 
the the approval necessary for the search warrant for Richard Allen's home and, and ultimately put him behind bars. So that's the key legal argument here, right? That there was intentional misconduct to fool the court. Did they say things in the affidavit that they knew were false? So here is the direct quote from the motion. Quote, the issuance of the search warrant was a result of an improper ex parte application for the search warrant in that the affiant, Sheriff Tony Leggett, failed to advise the issuing judge of material facts and made false and misleading representations with reckless regard to Mm -hmm. the truth. Without these false and misleading representations and omissions, search warrant would not have been issued. And they go in specifically multiple times and spell out what those things are. And again, I talked to a a career law enforcement person yesterday about this. Totally not a person who believes, oh my gosh, you know, like... uh, uh, my point on this is this person is not a person who believes, oh, everybody's innocent. And they're all being framed. He said, absolutely. The evidence here would warrant that search would warrant the search warrant being thrown out that the evidence that the defense presented is incredibly compelling. And it is a horrific look for law enforcement and the sheriff in, in, in that area. OK, so that's what the defense ter- attorneys have to do. They have to create doubt about the evidence against Richard Allen. And it seems that's what they've done in part with this 130-page motion. They've created doubt. Oh, yeah. And here's the other thing. And again, we don't have time to go into a lot of the specifics of the things that they lay out. You can read it for yourself. I would encourage everybody to do that. The timeline that they put together of the events that occurred, Richard Allen would have to be I Dream of Genie in order to have pulled this off. I mean, these defense attorneys did an incredible job and it is the timeline is laid out in bullet point format to the point where the lay person can read it you know somebody you would pick on a member of a jury and go there's no way this guy could have could have pulled this off and I mean, then you couple in the things like there was a, you know, the original, remember how the sketches changed mm-hmm. and the original, apparently the original sketch, they asked the person who, you know, they drew the sketch based on the description. Hey, can you rank this sketch like one to 10, scale of one to 10, 10 being the best. They get done with the sketch. She looks at it, says spot on 10 of 10. That's mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. And then law enforcement comes out, the sheriff, et cetera, and go, nah, 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 nah. That's not the sketch. Here's the sketch. Well, the sketch looks just like another guy who the defense says this is the guy that that did it. I mean, it's like you look at this dude and you look at the original sketch that came out, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't see how, given the information that is in this affidavit, that the judge could not throw the search warrant out. And if you throw the search warrant out, then you have to throw the whole case out. And I would be very, 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 if you believe the defense's theory on who's in on it and why, for the safety of Richard Allen while he is still incarcerated. Okay, so the judge accepted it, but then recused himself. Yes. Okay, so this is so this is the other part that doesn't make any sense to me. So the judge in the case ultimately recuses himself, but he had already signed off on the search warrant. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't make any sense to me, Casey, that if you say, look, I just I can't you know administer impartial justice here. I'm too, you know, whatever. Well, then why didn't why you would do, you approve it? Then? Yeah, why didn't you why did you approve the search warrant? So there's a lot of and this career law enforcement person I talked to yesterday said if for some reason the judge in the case now allows the search warrant to stand, that it would absolutely be appealed and they would have a very compelling case to win on appeal. This is a if you read this document, 
look, unless the defense, the defense is just totally full of it, but the detail and the citing and the sourcing, I mean, it is an incredible piece of documentation. I don't see any way, unless you just think the defense is just lying about everything, which there's no way they could be lying about everything, that a judge would allow this to stand. And I don't know how the sheriff now doesn't have to answer for the allegations made in these documents. Okay, so the theory involves several members of a cult Odinist cult operating in central Indiana, and they're saying that this is an ancient Nordic religion. It's created doubt, and that's what they had to do. That was their job, the Care- defense attorneys. Careful, Kev, on this bumper music. Uh, I'm being careful. I already know. Be very careful. I'd like yeah. to keep my job. Yeah, we're at the very end. Right. <laughs> You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.